Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African American voice in classical music, and I want to welcome you to this latest installment of the Opera Diva series. This series has featured some of the world's greatest singers, including Carmen Balthor, Nicole Cabell, Christine Brewer, Martina Lister, Laquita Mitchell, and Sarah Coburn. Today is no exception. Elizabeth Futro has established herself as one of the major coloratura sopranos in the world today. With her stunning vocalism and vast dramatic range, she has embraced a diverse repertoire that includes Vivaldi, Handel, Mozart, Bellini, Donizetti, Rossini, Verdi, Glass, and Previn. Of her spectacular debut at the Metropolitan Opera in Lucia de Lammermoor, the New York Times wrote her singing was sure, virtuoso, and yet still lighted by humanity. This season we will see Miss Future as Violetta in La Traviata with the Lyric Opera of Baltimore, the Emily Suite at Carnegie Hall with the Avanti Chamber Orchestra from Finland, Fiordigili and Cosi Fantuti with Washington National Opera, as well as a return to music of the Baroque in Handel's L'Allegro di Malerato. Future season promise is a return to the Lyric Opera of Chicago and many other performances. Please welcome Elizabeth Futuro. Good afternoon. Hi, Patrick. So nice to be with you today. Oh, my goodness. It's wonderful. Now, the last time I had you on, we had a horrible Skype connection. You were in New Zealand. Tell us about your being there. Oh, that was that was a wonderful trip. Um, I was there uh, August and September of last year, and um, I was in New Zealand to sing Nedda in Ipagliacci and uh, in a wonderful production with New Zealand Opera and uh it was a, it was a great opportunity for me to get to see that country I had, you know had never been either to Australia or New Zealand so <clears throat> for me it was a, it's just a wonderful opportunity to get to to have an excuse to go there so far away um and yet such a beautiful country and beautiful people and a really fine opera company. Uh, so it was just a, it was a great experience all around. Mm. Now, you're currently singing in the Washington National Opera production of Cosi Fantuti, and I understand it's an, it's an interesting modern production. Tell me a little bit about that. It is. Um, I have never sung Fioriligi in Cosi Fantuti, so this is my debut. So I, I don't really have... Um, you know, in my in my physical body and in my singing voice, a, a, a certain um, you know uh, expectation, I guess, about how it should go. So for me, this this is Cosi Fan Tutte, uh, this this modern production, and um, I think it works really well. I mean, I uh, of course have nothing to compare it to personally. I've seen other productions of Cosi in traditional, more traditional ones, but. I think of of the Mozart operas and certainly of a lot of of a lot of the the eighteenth uh, nineteenth century operas that people try to update. I think Cosi Fantutte um, is one that is easily updatable. I mean, the story itself is not so um, you know immersed in the period. The story is rather timeless and. And these characters are rather timeless, and so updating it, um, it really works quite well. The story is is retained, and and the characters, um, you know, sort of 
are allowed to act in in a in a modern way and yet um the story remains the same. So what I think it it does and why the director chose to do it this way is, is that it provides for the audience a sense of of uh immediacy that sometimes you don't have when you have to sort of, you know, go through the the uh, 18th century costuming and the language of movement and you know you sort of, you sort of have to translate all of that as well as the story and the you know and um so so it takes that away you you know immediately who these characters are you they're they're people you know they're your they're your best friend they're your sister they're they're you perhaps you know so mm. so it the 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 story itself i think cuts right to the chase for for the audience and and uh, i think that's that's good and i think it's it's fun for the audience for that more fun for the audience for that reason yeah and just to speak to your point i think that the fact that they've made it you know, in such a more modern way, it brings people to the opera house who may not ever come if it was, you know, in huge gowns or, you know, sometimes that, that could be a turnoff. But like you said, the fact that they've made it, you know, modern, I think it makes it more mm-hmm. accessible. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> I, I hope that I hope that's the case, and I hope I hope people are coming who've never been before and, and uh, you know, finding finding sort of a surprise there that they didn't expect, so... Yeah, I think it's a, a good thing for for the opera, for the opera world. Now, speaking of which, I understand you are you are a small hometown girl. How did you end up uh, coming to sing opera? Well, um, I I am from a small town in Louisiana, and um, but I but I grew up um, with music around me. My my mother was a classically trained pianist and flutist amateur but um she was quite fine and she always she appreciated good music and and the classics and she had you know sort of Brahms and Beethoven and Bach recordings that she would play um so it was in my home um there were other kinds of music as well I mean my sisters three, three older sisters listened to a lot of pop music and so that was happening and then my father was sort of a bluegrass um, person and so he would always listen to bluegrass music going to sleep at night so we would hear that in the house so anyway music was a big part of our life and and um, uh, we were we were churchgoers and so um, gospel music and um, and classical sacred music too were part part of my life and and I just grew up I don't know from a very young age singing and enjoying singing and I took piano lessons from a very young age and really loved music um and you know had a had a uh had an act for it and um so it was just a natural you know sort of progression for me um I didn't grow up steeped in in the opera world so that came a bit later but um actually you know college really before I discovered singing opera. I mean, I heard some opera before that, but um you know, when you when you find the right thing that sort of fits your voice, you you know that. I I mean, I guess as a as a pop singer, you you know that, you know, certain pop music fits your voice or a country singer mm-hmm. the same. And uh, with an opera singer, I I think, you know, if you're able to do to sing opera, you know, you have of course you have to work hard and sort of figure it out, but um my voice fit that kind of music, fit opera music better than 
say pop music. Um, mm. And and I also, you know, felt sort of more um, aesthetically I was drawn to it um, more so than than other kinds of music. So um, anyway, that's that's kind of how that happened. And um, so really, not until college did I did I sort of discover the the world of opera as as a singer myself and started exploring that and and really f- was intrigued by it and challenged by it and um, you know, sort of fell in love with it. And that love affair continues. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just mentioned about the, about the music fitting your voice, and that leads me perfectly into um, your association with Baroque music. Particularly, could you talk to me or talk to the listeners rather more about your association with J. Raleigh Lewis and the Washington Bach Consort? Yes. Um, well, I actually uh, first worked with with Riley um, uh, in one of his cathedral choral society uh, programs there at the National Cathedral. Um, we did a Mozart C minor mass. I believe that was the first thing that I did with Riley. And then he asked me to sing with the consort, and um, so I've done a couple of things with them, and also made a recording with them of uh, solo um, Bach cantatas. And so it's been a it's been a lovely relationship. Um I adore him and I adore his fervent uh love for and and recreation of of all things Bach and, and lots of things Baroque. So um he he's just he he feels so deeply and passionately about um about Bach in particular and um so he's just a joy to work with because he is all about the music he he cares about really nothing else you know there's no no ego involved for him it it's all about the music and trying to to be true to the music and and create beautiful experiences for the audiences that they that they serve so that's been a, a really lovely and um rewarding uh, relationship for me, and I I hope it will continue. Um, we we're always trying to find the next project to do together. But um, Baroque music for me also is is um, is very special and dear, and and uh, and, a, and a wonderful um, a wonderful world for me to sort of tiptoe in here, you know, um, here and there. I, I don't get to to sort of dwell in that land all of the time, but I do love it very, very much. I spent the day yesterday afternoon listening to that very recording of you singing Box of at Garden Island, London, and I was just enthralled, and it was so beautiful, and it it was so um, virtuosic, as, as the New York Times described. And, I, and that brings me to my next point. When you're preparing for um, another period of music, I would I guess the best example would be opera versus baroque. What what kind of mental process goes on there? You know, um that it it is a it is a different it is a different language of music, you know. Um particularly Bach. It's 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 like being dropped on another musical planet really. Um his music is very um uh the the vocal music is very instrumental in a way. And um, so you sort of have to you have to really immerse yourself in that world. I find that I do because it it is it is a completely different language for me, and and I um, uh, I find it really challenging, but but also very rewarding. Um, 
so it it just requires for me a um a real mental exertion and and physical you know vocal exertion of trying to get my voice into that place and really it's just a matter of routining for me it's a matter of being there and 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 routining so that's a lot of practicing you know a lot of um singing the music and and as i sing it my voice sort of finds its way you know so mm-hmm. i don't really have any tricks to 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 make that happen except it's just you know practice 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 the old the old rule that um i just have to uh keep at it and then my voice you know find finds its way and then i start to feel comfortable again um handle is a little different it's um for me uh, more vocal um vocally sort of targeted than than bach and so a little bit easier to to wrap my head around uh, and i've i've done more of it so so i can and sort of get into that gear um a little more easily um and uh, you know handel is is uh, most of his his libretti are very very wonderfully dramatically driven too so i i um i love that about handel and and um so can can sort of uh, find guidance you know through character and dramatic uh development so mm-hmm. you know aside from opera i think the first time that i heard you uh in concert, you did a, a duet recital uh, for Vocal Arts Society of Washington with the tenor Stephen Costello, and it was a wonderful program. And I wanted to basically uh, ask you, what are some of the things that you enjoy about the recital format? Oh, I I dearly love the recital format, and one of the reasons I love it so much um, is because it's a more intimate experience than than being on the opera stage. Um, most recitals are in smaller venues, and so you're closer to the audience. Um, it, you you can actually see faces, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and a recital is all about communicating, communicating the text of, of whatever uh, song repertoire or arias that you've chosen to, to perform. Um, so the immediacy, the intimacy is very important and and very intense, you know, and and therefore um, for me very very fulfilling. This whole communicating between the audience and me, and I I just I adore that. And the other thing I love about it so much is that I get to be sort of you know the artistic director of the of the show, and mm. um, you know in an opera I'm I'm one of many characters and I'm told that I'm singing this role and I'm told by the conductor to do it this way and the director to act it this way and you know I I I'm that's fine I'm I'm happy to play that part but for a recital I get to choose I get to choose the the, the music you know along with my collaborator um usually a pianist or oh, and in this case Stephen Costello you know we chose the we chose the program together and we decided um, how we wanted to to get our music across. We made dramatic choices. We made the musical choices, and so it gives me the opportunity to assert myself as a musician and as you know as an artist in a way that I don't always get to um, on the opera stage. So uh, that's a, that's a, an important 
you know, important facet of my of my musical growth and development, and uh, and so it's it's important for me uh, in that way too. You also get to choose your own gown. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's the most fun. <laughs> mm, that was just funny. Now, um, I was talking, um, I had interviewed uh, the soprano Laquita Mitchell um, a couple of weeks ago because she was doing, if I'm not mistaken, La Traviata with New York City Opera, and I lit up like a Christmas tree, and I could just feel myself beaming because I said, she said, the conductor, she said, Stephen White. And I said, that's Elizabeth Futural's husband. And so I <laughs> wanted to move on and ask you, what is it like uh, to collaborate with your husband, who is a conductor in an opera? Well, um, we have had the the good fortune of being able to collaborate quite a few times now. Um, we've, we've done Traviata together, and we've done Lucia together, and... Um, we wish for more opportunities like that. Um, it's 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 a wonderful opportunity, I think, for both of us, um, largely because, you know, we we share so many of the same musical, um, uh, you know, aesthetics. I guess um, we we feel uh, similarly about a lot of things musical and opera wise and dramatically and so and and we understand each other you know i trust him i i i believe in him and vice versa you know he knows my singing he he knows my strengths and my weaknesses better than anybody and therefore as a conductor he is able to to help me you know in in ways that um someone who doesn't know me as well wouldn't wouldn't be as sensitive to um you know on on the on the spot he can hear mm. um how things are going for me and and is able to respond to that and so that's a that's a real gift you know when i'm on the opera stage um to have someone so much in my in my corner um and supporting me in the way that he does and you know i i have his his full support and and um and I know that, and that's uh, that's something I really cherish, and and something you know that makes our our collaborating um, very special for both of us. And I hope that translates to audiences as well. But um, you know, I don't think he treats me any differently than he treats other singers. He just knows me better. You know, he knows, <laughs> he, knows he knows what I can do, and and he's able to to be there and, and respond to that. So um, we've we've had you know many, many joyful um experiences uh, working together. So it's it's uh it's special. That's that's about all I can say. <laughs> and anybody who's in opera, I mean, just hearing that, it, it harkens back to the 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 musical love affair, so to speak, of Joan Sutherland and her husband Sir Richard Bonning, who's the famous conductor and, and they made so so much beautiful music together, so much many collaborations, and, and it was such right. an energy. So I'm sure that has to be the the same type of thing. Like you said, you know, he's a conductor, but he also knows you, and he's in your corner. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful. I I do too. I I I'm I'm very grateful for every opportunity we have, and and hope hope we have many more. 
Mm. Now, talk to me about some of your upcoming projects coming up. Well, um, one of the fun ones that I have coming up is this summer I'll be in uh, Cooperstown at, at Glimmerglass Opera Festival, and I'll be doing Marion the Librarian in The Music Man. So I'll be doing a little foray, foray into the Broadway repertoire. And um, I've always, you know, I love the old the old musicals, um, and I've always thought it would be fun to... I've done a couple in concert, but I've never done one on stage. So um, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a kick. And uh, so that'll be, you know, this summer, July and August in Cooperstown. And then um, the next thing, the next new thing that I'm working on is um, is an opera by Laurie Laitman, who is a, a D.C. Uh, area composer. Mm. And um, she has written an opera uh, based on the Scarlet Letter. And so I will be playing um, Hester Prynne in the Scarlet Letter in uh, about a year from now, in the spring of um, 2013, in Denver at Opera Colorado. So that's that's my next new um, project. And then um, I'll be doing La Boheme, uh, Musetta in La Boheme in Chicago at Lyric Opera in, in the winter of January, February, um, before that. So, yeah, good things on docket, you know, never a dull moment, always learning something <laughs> new. So, <laughs> keeps well, me out of trouble. <laughs> well, believe it or not, I, got, I still get nervous, and so I know I murdered the handle piece. I know all the critics will probably hear me. I got so stumbled and tongue-tied on the handle uh, work that you're doing at the end of March. Could you maybe talk about oh, the yes. handle? Yes, yes. That That is a, an, also a new piece for me. Um, with Music of the Broke in Chicago, Jane Glover conducting. And in fact, I believe she was here doing the same piece with uh, the Mark Morris Dance Company just a few weeks ago at the Kennedy Center. I don't know if you <clears throat> heard about that, but um, Mark Morris has, uh, I, I have heard it's his masterpiece. Um, he's choreographed uh, two handles l'allegro, il penseroso ed il moderato. That's um, a, a mouthful. But it's a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a secular, it, uh, I don't know exactly what Handel calls it, but I think it's sort of like a secular oratorio. Um, so uh, it it is, you know, a series of, of uh, arias and um, uh, maybe one, not, I know there's one duet, um, and then some choral pieces mixed in so um but uh text based on um milton um and so really beautiful uh, libretto and um yeah it's a very interesting work i i really love uh getting to know these arias and i i think it's going to be a joy i love working with jane glover she's i've done several things with her in chicago and um She's just a dear, and she really, she really is wonderful with with Baroque music. Um, she really gets it and is able to pull beautiful performances out of the chorus and and uh, and uh, and we as uh, solo singers as well. 
Well, you know when they did that um, that production at the Kennedy Center, the Washington Bach Consort Chorus sang for it. I didn't get a chance to make it, but I did see that. And then also they just, if I'm not mistaken, that they did it at um, Lincoln Center with Julian Watner, who is the conductor of the Washington uh, Chorus here. So that that choreographed work is, is getting some notable attention that they handle. So that's wonderful. Yes. Yes. Now, as we move towards the end of of the interview, first of all, I want to say I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It's long overdue. Thank you so much. I think the last time I expressed that I wanted to interview is when I saw you after Hamlet. Yes. <laughs> Two years ago, that was. Yes. So I'm so glad. We've been we've been trying hard to get together. <laughs> yes. And so I'm so glad that this moment has come to fruition. So I wanted to say thank you so much. Well, Patrick, it's it's my pleasure. You are a joy to talk with, and, and I appreciate so much and feel honored to be a part of your Opera Diva series. It's just I don't know that I belong there, but I'm I'm grateful. <laughs> oh, you know, everybody says that. You all need to stop. <laughs> Every diva I've, I've had on here says that. You all deserve to be here. I just want to give some quick dates before I wrap up the interview with the last question. If you all are interested okay. in going to see Mozart's Cosi Fontute with Elizabeth Futuro and other stellar singers uh, who are who are joining her in that production, um, it's going to be the Kennedy Center. The remaining performances are on March 11th, the 12th, and the final performance is on the 15th. And you can get the details at kennedy-center.org. That would take you right to the website. And some of the other notable singers who I recognize immediately is Christine Brandis, who's singing Despina, and also Teddy Tahoe Rhodes, who sings the role of Guillermo Baritone. So, I mean, it's a wonderful production, and I'm I'm just looking forward to my opportunity to see it. Hopefully I can get there next uh Wednesday, uh, of course I'm a you know choir director, so we have to get out of church and all those types of things. That's right. <laughs> but just uh, in wrapping up, I just want to. Uh, I always like to ask our singers because I know that there might be a, a young singer listening, and I want to just ask, what would be some advice that you may would give um, a young singer pursuing this this path of opera or performing professionally? Well, I would. I would say that the most important thing to concentrate on in younger years and and always is is your singing and your technique. Um, there are lots of other things that that go with you know creating a, a career in singing, but if you don't have the technique and and the ability to sing well and you know in pitch and 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 with some style, um, then the rest of it, you know, your 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 acting and your um, your costume, your dress, whatever you're, you're auditioning in, and your ability to to speak to people and do an interview, that doesn't matter if if you can't sing, you know. So so really, really put you know eighty five percent of your energy into pursuing. Um, great vocalism, and um, and spend a little bit of time on the other things as you go along, but always focus on that and um, and do you know find yourself a great teacher. If you don't have a great teacher now, make sure you're with a good teacher that you trust and who's giving you good information, whom you understand, and. Um, and and then take it from there, and all the other things you know can fall in 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 place. But if you don't have that 
that um, you know bedrock of great singing technique, then nothing else can be built upon that. So that that's my that's my advice. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing this time with us on the Opera Diva series. I'm so thankful, and I'm sure that so many people have just enjoyed listening to you talk about your career. And, again, I just want to wish you uh, many blessings and, and heartfelt thanks for being here and, and wonderful luck on your final runs of Cozy Fun Tutu with the Washington National Opera. Thank you so much, Patrick. You are, you are just a joy to speak with, and you're, you're a great radio voice, and I appreciate so much all that you're doing for opera and for all of us singers out there and continue and and uh i look forward to speaking with you again sometime okay thank you so much have a wonderful day thank you patrick bye-bye again we have been listening to acclaimed coloratura soprano elizabeth future who will be starring in Cosi Fontuti with the Washington National Opera, and it's just such a joy to have her today on the Opera Diva series. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Again, I am Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I do hope that you take the opportunity to like my page on Facebook, which is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music. You may also follow me on Twitter at Patrick D. McCord. And before I close, I would like to thank you all so much for supporting my recent trip to the University of California at Irvine, where I presented a lecture there for the African American Arts Song Alliance Conference. I'm so thankful I was there with so many acclaimed musicians, so many to count, but I do want to express my heartfelt gratitude for your support to my many benefactors who supported me to be there, including my hometown and area churches. Thank you so much. I will be doing that lecture uh, on the air uh, for in days to come so that you can use it as a resource. But I do, again, want to thank you all so much for your continued support. Again, you've listened to the Opera Diva series with soprano Elizabeth Futural. Don't forget, if you want to go to the Kennedy Center to see Cosi Fontuti, please go to the website at kennedy-center.org for the remaining performances of that opera. Again, this is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I do wish you a great day.